Welcome, welcome everyone to the Enthusiast Life brought to you by GamerGoo. My name is Mark Turcotte. I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, it is Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. And yes, this is the last episode of the week. We are here in the holiday week. Of course, it is the week of Christmas. Hopefully, you're uh, having a good week so far, and hopefully, you know, the rest of your week is going to go great. I would love to know what your plans are for Christmas Eve, for Christmas Day. Send that stuff over to me. Always hit me on Twitter at MarkTurk at M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. Or, of course, email the show at theenthuselife at gmail.com. You know, not sure that today's episode is really going to be that long. Not really a lot going on. There's a couple little stories I picked out that I do want to um, kind of throw to you guys. Uh, and I am going to kick it off here with a, a great, great question sent over to me by Classic Squid. So let's kick it off there first. Uh, so Classic Squid, one of our uh, patron members here over in the Discord messaged me and he said, all right, here's a question. With you having just played the tabletop game, he's talking about Coriolis, and being so into it, what would your ideal tabletop game setting be? Base it off any movie, show, etc., or even just types of fantasy locations, time periods, or whatever. Squid, I love that question, man. And you know what? Honestly, the, the Coriolis game we ran... Uh, like I said, was a sci-fi setting, and just that in itself, like, I, I never really thought of playing a tabletop game in that type of setting. I mean, I, I've seen Starfinder, which is kind of one of the bigger uh, games. It's it's There's a game called Pathfinder that's kind of the competitor to uh, D&D, and then they created Starfinder, which is kind of the sci-fi version of that game, you know, which is, of course, taking place in a sci-fi setting, but, you know, never really thought I would be playing that, but Coriolis was, you know, a, an easier or had an easy barrier of entry to get into it, and I loved it, man. You know, I think one of the things for me when I think about, like, what I would want out of one of these games, it needs to be a universe that I know, you know, that I can easily get into and kind of know the setting of, because that was one of the things when we were playing Coriolis, was there, all these game worlds kind of have their own world and lore, and, like, for me to play to the top level that I could, I kind of need... I want some of that. You know, I want to know what that lore is. I want to be able to kind of live and breathe within that um, that RPG world as we're playing. And so a couple of things come to mind. You know, I'm going to say it. And, you know, it is something that I know is out there that somebody has made this. And that's Destiny. There is a Destiny tabletop game that some guys put together. I think it runs actually off the D&D 5e uh, rule set. Uh, I think that would be great. You know, it's an established universe that I know, that I know the different classes, I know the abilities, and I think it would just make sense, right? There's all these little kind of, I'm going to say real world locations, but you know, planets that you know you can go to, the enemies I'm so familiar with. I think that would be great. You know, you have a tower, a, a base that you can go to, and then you go out on these missions. Uh, I think that would be pretty neat. You know, in the end, though, is the comp with the combat be as as engaging as almost like a melee combat. I don't know. And not, and not that all these games have melee combat. I mean, hell, Coriolis, we were straight up shooting dudes, you know. <laughs> but I just think, you know, when you think of what Destiny would be, it would be much more of a gunfight um, that you would be into. But I think that would be fun. That would definitely be a fun one. Um, you know, I mean, I've been playing a lot of Fantasy Star Online. I think that would be great because that would blend not only the sci-fi, but also put a little bit of fantasy in there because those games... You know, you are fighting giant monsters, and I mean, even though they're aliens, but there are kind of some fantasy aspects with force users in there, and hell, you would even have robots shooting guns. I think that would be a great uh, RPG, again, an established world universe that I know. Um, I'm trying to think what else, even, even you know, uh, um, 
uh, like the Witcher, I think would be great. You know, kind of that that universe, which I'm sure that's even out there. You know, any of these fantasy settings that we know. I mean, actually, the big one besides the Witcher, uh, and actually even bigger for me would be a Lord of the Rings. I think would be great. You know, which which ultimately a lot of this fantasy stuff. I mean, even Dungeons and Dragons, I'm sure pulls much much of its lore and content from the original Tolkien pieces going back years. I mean, Tolkien really is the one that kind of established a lot of the you know tropes that we see today in fantasy. It all kind of started and came from Tolkien, I think a Lord of the Rings one, I would love to play that. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, again, because we know kind of the established characters, the um, just world setting, I think is great. And again, you know, knowing that stuff really kind of helps bring the, uh, I don't know, the, the role-playing aspect out when you're, when you're playing one of those games. That was one of the things with Coriolis, like before we played, I sat down and read some of the lore and that behind it. And, and kind of one of the weird things about Coriolis is... A lot of people think sci-fi and sometimes people will think like Firefly, which is kind of like a Western Coriolis has somewhat that. And that was kind of our group that we were playing in that we were kind of this ragtag Firefly type group, but it also is based a lot in Arabian Nights is kind of one of the things that they kept kept um, plugging kind of in there. Whenever you read the descriptions of it, that's what it is. So it's kind of a, a different take on the sci-fi genre and it's very much um grounded in these things called um the icons and they're kind of almost like gods i mean you could almost think like how you know in in greek mythology there's all these different gods that they pray to um it seems like in coriolis is very similar to that and they but they call them these icons and and when you fail a role or fail a uh attack you can pray to the icons and get a second role but when you do that that gives the the gm the game master um, these points that they can add up where then they can screw you down the line. So you could choose to, you know, pray to the icons, but you may not want to do that. That might not be the, the right thing to do. So, um, I don't know. I think that's my settings. And hopefully, man, I'm telling you, like, I really can't wait to jump in there and play again. Uh, I would love to try to get like a regular group, you know, together to, to be doing this. So hopefully, you know, we, I can get into some of that uh, as we move into 2021 and maybe try to get playing some more tabletop RPGs. Cause it's something I really, like I said, I really, really, uh, want to get into some more. All right, well, a couple uh, stories here I want to throw out to you guys here for this final episode of the week. Uh, first one, Cyberpunk 2077 will not go away, right? This story is always out there. Uh, CD Projekt Red has announced the game has sold over 13 million copies. They've sold through, is the way they phrase it, uh, more than 13 million copies of the game as of December 20th. Um, and they did say that even included most uh, of those refunds factored in. Now, if you remember... What, the 18th is when PSN pulled it from the store uh, and stopped allowing or started allowing the refund. So really, you know, this only accounts for two days of that. Um, it did say that this does not uh, um, or it does account for refunds submitted by brick and mortar stores and digital. Now, I don't know about you, but I've a lot of the brick and mortar stores. I don't know what the ideas or what the. Um, returns have been at those i haven't seen any of that you know obviously anytime you try to bring a game back to a a store they're like did you open it you're like yeah they're like nope now in this case i would assume a game or a store like gamestop would definitely take it back because they know the situation they know what's going on um but i'll be honest like i don't know if a walmart would take that back because you're going to talk to somebody at the register who has no clue to the situation of cyberpunk i mean obviously the guys at gamestop are are tapped into it all you're gonna to go to GameStop. I guarantee you, they didn't get an email. They didn't get nothing. You're just you're just showing up with a video game that's open, and they're gonna just tell you no. Um, so you know who knows how much. But even let's say even if 
there were people that tried to return to those brick and mortar stores. I mean, what are we going to account for of the 13 million? Maybe that would have, maybe 3 million more would have been returned. So even still, even if, I mean, I'm just throwing that number out there, but even still 10 million copies of Cyberpunk. Kudos to CD Projekt Red. Here on the show, we talked about some investors potentially wanting to have a uh, lawsuit based on the game kind of being, you know, presented as something other than it was. Um, and, you know, really, what, what what case do they have now? Right? They're all going to make they're going to make their money. You know, I mean, they could maybe in the future be leery of investing in any other project that CD Projekt Red puts out there. But hell, I'm sure they're making their money back off 10 million. I mean, we we knew day one that they made their money. You know, that they had had already had a return on their investment. So, you know, regardless of this, Cyberpunk 2077 was a hell of a success for CD Projekt Red. And, you know, it's just going to become even more successful as they fine-tune the game, you know, fix the last-gen versions. Or I say last-gens, the, uh, you know, Xbox One and PS4 versions. So it's only going to get better. So this game, you know, everybody knew that, right? This game's going to get better. Uh, it's kind of why I just put mine up on the shelf and said, I know there's going to be a better better version of this game for me to play. I'm going to wait. You know, I'm just going to hold off. You know, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. It's just like, okay, yeah, I'll, I, I, I bought early access of Cyberpunk. That's essentially what I did. And I'm cool, you know. You get an early access copy of a game. You get in there. It's bugged. It has issues. You come back to it a year later, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of perfect game that comes to mind in a situation like that. And it's not to say this game was anywhere near on the level of bugs and things like this. But, you know, in the sense of me buying into early access, the one game, I, I say one game, there's a couple of early access games I bought. But the one that comes to mind and probably the, the biggest success story from early access that I bought into was Dead Cells. Bought early access of Dead Cells like the week it came out on Steam, very bare bones. Definitely was bugged, had some issues, but you could tell there was something there playing it. Fast forward a year and a half, two years later when it's releasing on Switch and all that, it's it's winning game of the year and stuff from people, right? You know, I mean, the game is a huge success and they still continue to support the game. Same situation is going to happen here with CD Projekt Red, you know, or with Cyberpunk 2077. The game comes out, has its issues, people are going to get in there and play it. Now, in the same sense, I get the people that are upset that the game, you know, you want to say it was misrepresented. It is what it is. But, you know, I think one thing that a lot of people are missing is, sure, they showed this in 2018. And, you know, at that time, we didn't know about the PS5. We didn't know about the Series X. Um, We thought the game was going to be coming out on last gen. And, and heck, wasn't it even supposed to come out, like, the end of 2019 originally and then got delayed to early 2020? So it's like, had the game, I I just, you know, because the game was delayed so long, the industry changed, right? We had suddenly these more powerful consoles and all these things coming out. And so it's like at the same sense of them or at the same time while they're producing it, it probably just, you know, technology had moved on. And so they kept trying to keep up with that. And, and in the end, this was just a, a lose-lose situation. And so, you know, yes, like, granted, they didn't show people and be honest, which they, you know, they should have done, of course. Yes. Um, and so anybody, you know, you, you've had the right now to return it and you have every right in the world to be upset if you thought, you know, you didn't get the game that you were going to get. Um, but, you know, in the end, lawsuits, all that stuff. Come on. It's, it's not going to go anywhere, especially on the consumer side. Consumers aren't going to be able to win a lawsuit um, with any of this because they offered you the refund. Right. You, you can go ahead and just return it. I mean, they're telling you, OK, yeah, you're right. Yep. It's broken. We'll take it back. Bring it even, even bring it back to Walmart. They'll take it back. Um, and, you know, the investors, if anything, maybe we're going to have a case. I think now they don't have a case, you know, once we find out those sales numbers. And, you know, I guess maybe another week or so we'll see if there's any more 
return. But again, I, I don't think you'd get any more than you know a couple million returns. So even then, 10 million copies, 9 million, whatever it ends up being, that's a hell of a lot of copies, a hell of a lot of money. Um, so I don't see anything, any uh, issues there. Uh, let's move on here to the PlayStation. And, and hopefully, I'm going to say this, hopefully this will be one of the final times you talk about Cyberpunk, because it seems like this game just, it's the game that just keeps on giving in terms of stories, and and, and usually I don't buy into all this stuff, but I mean, it is a very interesting story, especially, I mean, what makes this different than any of the other games that we've seen before is the level of hype and the level of marketing and everything and how this game was going to be the savior, and oh man, like, that's why this is such a big story. You know, you can go back in the past and look at other games that, you know, have had somewhat similar situations, but nothing on this level. I mean, this is like the game, right, of 2020 was supposed to be the game. I mean, this was going to be, after a couple delays, the launch title on the new generation of consoles. Everybody would have bought this. This would have been like 100% attach rate almost on the new consoles. And that's the reason, you know, and and so that's why so many people are just upset and why we can't stop talking about this game. It's crazy. I love it. I love it. I mean, it just this is very interesting, man. That's one of the reasons why I love the video game industry is like there's always things like this that happen that um, just, you know, keep everybody in the conversation and give us something to talk about. Um, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just part of the hobby, right? Just part of part of the situation. Um Let's see, the next uh, story I want to mention real quick here was that the PS5 now is going to show a warning when you start a PS4 uh, version of a cross-gen game. Now, this is a great thing because that's one one of the you know things that I would say about the PlayStation 5 is it's it's not really evident like which version you're playing. And I mean, the Xbox has clearly solved that issue. Like they just, with, with the smart delivery, which, you know, everybody kind of chuckled at like, oh, smart delivery, like, ah, oh, that's a, a cheesy name you're coming up with and why would you ever need that? Well, we find out with the PlayStation 5 when a lot of people are playing the PlayStation 4 version of the game on their PS5, not knowing there's a better version out there. Um, it's very weird in kind of how you pick it. I mean, you, you get the game and then there's these little three dots next to it that you have to search for. And like I've been playing Black Ops Cold War, kind of the, um, like I said, the, the trial they have going now. I think I'm playing the next gen version because when I go to those little three dots, it says like, do I want to install the PS4 version? So I'm like, okay, well, I got to have the PS5. But then when I go into my library, it shows that it's PS4, like it's it's the PS4. I mean, it runs great, looks great, so I'm just playing it, whatever. It's a free trial, you know, eventually if I buy it or I'll, uh, you know, make sure I buy it from the PS5 section. Um, But now this is great that it will say you're about to play the PS4 version of the game. Do you want to switch to the PS5? Now, of note, I'm sure if you say yes, you do, there's a big download coming because as far as I know, they, they haven't made it where you're just installing like, a little bit more data like they're actually two completely different like executables so i know like for miles that's how it was like if you downloaded the ps4 version of miles and you want to play the ps5 you had to completely reinstall the game totally not just like you're downloading some new assets and, and vice versa if let's say you just wanted to go back to the ps4 version of the game and not play the ps5 version completely got to reinstall the game um kind of a weird uh weird thing you know i really wish there was a way for them to do that. I mean, it would be great if there was just a straight up option in the menu where you could just say only install PS5 versions of games, you know, which, you know, I'm sure Sony is going to do that. Um, you know, that's the one thing about the PS5. I think it almost seems like sometimes the UI and all that was a little bit rushed. You know, they didn't think some of these things through. But again, just like Cyberpunk 2077, it's going to get better with time. So um, I'm sure they'll, they'll figure out some of that stuff. But hey, kudos for them, at least for putting that up there. It's kind of a, a neat little fix right now, especially uh, with Christmas right around the corner. And so many people are going to be opening that up on Christmas Day 
and uh, now people will make sure they're installing the right version of the games. Uh, final story here today before we wrap it up, guys. I did see that the producers of Dune, remember Dune now uh, coming from Legendary Entertainment, uh, is set to hit HBO Max at day and date when it launches on October 1st. Uh, they're potentially going to be fighting Warner Brothers to make sure that it is a uh, exclusive theatrical release. Uh, they do not want to come into HBO Max at all. So, you know, by that point, being that everything was going to be on HBO Max, there was going to be a simultaneous release of both theaters and that, but they want it just in theaters. They're saying they were completely blindsided. And their main reason, and I think this is interesting, is to preserve its franchise potential. So it's really just to say, hey, we we, we know as far as I as far as we know right now, it is a two-part film. And they want to make sure that, you know, it's put out in theaters and then that people will go and see the sequel. You know, I mean, I guess maybe in their mindset, if it's put out on HBO Max, people may think that it's just a made-for-television movie and wouldn't want to go see the theatrical release. That if you watch it on TV, why, you know, why would you say, like, I'm not, I, I saw the first one for free on TV. Why would I go to the theaters? I, I get that. I mean, I kind of get their point. Um, but in the same sense... You know, it's a, I think people will understand, you know, I think people know that it's not going to be hidden that this wasn't going to be a theatrical release. Like people know it was going to be, but we live in a time of the pandemic and I think people understand it. Now, the interesting bit here though, is that Legendary Entertainment financed about 75% of the Dune budget. So that's kind of where their case is coming from is they're like, wait a minute, we spent you know, more than three quarters of the budget on this film and you get to choose where it gets put out that the, you know, but in the same sense, that's the job of the studio, right? The studio is the one that markets it. They're the one that distributes it. That's what Warner brothers role in this situation is. So it's, it's a, that's a weird one. Cause it's like, okay, I mean, I get that you get their point, right? Hey, they spent more money on it. They should be able to choose where it goes. We want to make as much money back as we can. And we feel, especially by October 1st, the COVID vaccine will be out, be more readily available that maybe theaters will be open and people will be going to the movies again. We want it out in theaters. I see their point. I do, you know, but I guess the same situation even for uh, King Kong versus or Godzilla versus King Kong. It's going to be the same thing. It's uh, But that one set's come out in May, I believe. So if you think about it, vaccine won't be as available at that point. So, you know, is it is it worth fighting then? You know, I, I don't know. Just a weird, just a weird year, man, when it comes to these movies. And, you know, maybe maybe uh, Warner Brothers, they're, they're just blanket, blanket statement of putting all these movies out via... HBO Max. Maybe it was kind of jumping the gun. Maybe they should have did these on a case-by-case basis. Wonder Woman right now? Yes, right? Hey, what a way, what a thing to do. What a way to end the year. Save face. Awesome. But then fast forward a year later, suddenly you have Dune. I mean, sure, it's 10 months later, but we don't know where we'll be at that point. You know, maybe wait. Maybe just say, hey, it's up in the air. We're thinking about it. You know, that may be one of those movies. Matrix, maybe. We'll see. But that's just the decision that they made. So I have a feeling there's going to be a fight on their hands with this one. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that, you know, uh, 75% of the budget, but yet they're, you know, the, the distributors are Warner brothers and they get to choose how they want to do it. And this is the decision that they've made. 
It's interesting. We'll we'll see. Now, you know, I almost wonder though. Again, you know, just because it comes out on, on HBO Max, I mean, I get their point of saying people may not want to go see it because they'll think it's just a. I mean, that that's my guess is what their where their heads are is people will think it's just a made for TV movie. I got the first one for free. Why do I suddenly have to go pay f- to go to the theater see, to see this one? Um, but I think that movie is going to be such a. It's been a movie in the making for so long that I think that people will understand and know to go to the theater to see it. And hey, if it's that good, I think people, like I said, I would rather see it in the theater. Like I plan to go see it in the theater uh, as long as theaters are safe at that point, even though I'll technically have it on HBO Max. That's a movie I want to see on a big screen. Um, And, you know, it could very well be the first movie I go back and see in a movie theater. You know, that's the type of movie you want to see in a movie theater. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. See where the situation goes. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of this this uh, just craziness of 2020 is definitely going to bleed over to 2021 easily uh, as we're going to continue to see things like that. Well, all right, guys, let's wrap it up there. Big thanks as always to GamerGoo for supporting the show. Like I said, as of yesterday, the new scent, the Beach Breeze scent, is being shipped out. So if you want to check out that, go over to GamerGoo.com as well as all the other scents. You want to get that antiperspirant for your hand. Maybe you're getting a new console for Christmas. Maybe you've been playing Call of Duty or whatever it is that you're playing. Just a real sweaty game. GamerGoo's got you covered. It lasts for up to four hours on your hands. And uh, they got all kinds of different scents. Like I said, the Beach Breeze is the new one. Teakwood is my favorite. They got orange. They got peppermint. They got cherry blossom. A bunch of them over there. Head over to GamerGoo.com. Uh, maybe, hey, maybe you're even getting some cash for Christmas. You're looking for just kind of neat, neat little thing, you know, very inexpensive that you want to get into. Check it out, GamerGoo.com. And if you do purchase, purchase some, use my code TEL, T-E-L, and save yourself 10% off your order over there. So, again, big thanks to GamerGoo for continuing to support the show. Well, guys, again, last episode this week. Uh, hopefully, you all have a great holiday here with your family. Um, you know, again, be safe, be smart about it. Uh, you know, I know this is kind of a, the, a tough time here for everybody and we, we want to see families and, and, you know, Hey, like I said, my family, we are getting together. Uh, we have been kind of getting together through a lot of this. Uh, but, uh, you know, use, using social distancing, we're actually hoping, I, I think it is going to be pretty cold here, uh, in Carolina. So when, and when I say cold, I'm talking like maybe high thirties, but, uh, we've been thinking about maybe getting, um, having a fire going outside and doing a lot of our stuff uh, kind of outside, you know, I'm sure we'll be eating inside, but, uh, spend some time outside and believe my wife, whatever my family comes over, we open the windows, you know, to kind of get a little, uh, airflow going through. Um, so, uh, yeah, do the best that you can just to be safe out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully you all have a great Merry Christmas and, um, you know, we'll, we'll be talking next week for sure. I'll be back Monday and, uh, we'll, we'll just do it again as uh, 2020 is getting set to come to a close. I haven't talked to Chris yet, but I do want to next week, maybe do some sort of a, like a year in review. I know Chris and I always did that and, uh, maybe go through some of the stories from the year. Some of our favorite things, uh, I think would be a lot of fun. So, uh, until then, everybody, Merry Christmas, have a great rest of your week. And until next time, I'll catch you then. Bye.